is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Hughes tried to clear the zone, gave it away to Barzell. Great circle. Has a give and go. But Horvat with a one-timer, he scores! Bo Horvat, wide open to the right circle, scores in his return to Vancouver to reestablish the Islander lead. Hughes has it high slot. Fans urging him to shoot. Heronic shoots, he scores! From the left circle! Your say on the official home of the Canucks. Miller at his own line scoops it ahead. Hughes has a breakaway. In alone. He shoots. He scores. <laughs> the new captain wins it for the Canucks against the old captain. I'll tell you that for free. The Canucks take it 4 3. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks win a thriller in overtime. Quinn Hughes, a marvelous performance from the Canucks' new captain against Bull Horvat and the New York Islanders. Canucks storm back from being down 2-0 in the first period to win 4-3 in overtime. And this is the Canucks Central postgame show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with... Bick Nazar, we are going to welcome in Brett Festerling into the discussion in just a moment's time. You get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. The Canucks with the victory move into first place in the Western Conference, 25 points in 16 games, and perhaps that's the real story of this game here, Brett. The Canucks surging up the standings already. However, it was the battle between the Canucks and their former captain and in some pretty thrilling fashion the Canucks came back to complete the comeback tonight yeah there was a lot of storylines tonight you go Bo you go Besser leading goals you go Hirona getting his first goal you get some of the injuries so all in all a great night for the Canucks I think yeah, and I just look at how they played tonight, too. It wasn't the cleanest performance, especially early on. They go down 2 nothing. We talked about coming into this game how the Canucks special teams have been superior in the matchup. Top five power play, and we saw how deadly the power, power play can be. But the Canucks PK was respectable this year, has been respectable. And then the Islanders come out, score two goals, and they're, they have a much maligned power play, 25th in the league coming into the game. But how the Canucks responded, Brett, I thought, for the most part, from that point on, they really took control of the game five-on-five five and just kind of chipped away at it. Yeah, exactly. They Not the best start, like you alluded to. Probably some unlucky bounces in there, but Canucks have got the lucky bounces a lot to the year. But, yeah, they turned it around. They dug in. I think they kind of just put a stake in the ground and said, okay, here we go. we got a 50-minute game, and let's chip away at it. Yeah. And they didn't – I didn't think they took – extreme risk to try to get back on them. They just kind of exactly, like you said, chipped away, took the power plays where they could, stuck with it. And there were some big performances by... I I really liked Hughes tonight. I thought he was incredible. But the whole decor just to get through the game and chip away and Cole, I think, made some good defensive plays after taking the two bounties that they scored on. So I think it was a gutsy effort by the Canucks tonight. Can't imagine being an Islanders forward right now, going after Queen Hughes all night, and he just dusted so many guys. And I'm, I'm not even talking about like in the open ice; like there were plenty of moments of that. Yeah. But you think of that corner of the juncture of the boards and the blue line. You're like, all right, I got this guy, and he recognized it so early. It's like fake, fake, fake. Okay, I'll go up the wall. Fake, fake. I'll go cut in the middle. I'll spin. There's so many, and it wasn't as if it was targeting one guy. It was a litany of Islanders forwards. He must have went through the whole 12 guys. It was unbelievable. He. 
I would love to just see a highlight reel of tonight's blue line. Yes. Tim yeah. It was absolutely. ISO cam just on Quinn Hughes, yeah. right? Yeah. It was ridiculous. I used to call those the, uh, the one ways. Because if I did it and I got away with it, I'd get a one-way contract. And if I didn't, it'd be a one-way flight to the minors. Like, I don't know how he gets away because he's spin around on the blue line is an absolute no-go for most defensemen. And he does it exactly. He probably had 10, 12 of those tonight. Yeah. It, it was like nuts. A, a, an alarming amount. And it's not as if, like, oh, he's trying to and he screwed one up. It's probably got 10 out of 12, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and the ones that didn't come off, it just like where the puck rolled away out of the zone he just regrouped yeah. it, it, it's funny to see like such a high risk player saying like D-men don't do it <laughs> and there's no downside at him doing it no I mean and the funny thing was usually he doesn't even make mistakes the one time he made a mistake tonight ended up with, with the Bo Horvat goal actually up the wall turns the puck over they get it over to Bo and he ends up scoring after a, a east, yeah, east-west pass going in and that's the only misstep he had and unfortunately led to a goal against but it seemed like from that point on he took even more control of the game and it just kind of shows you the caliber this guy plays at. Yeah, he's he's a rock, right? Like he, you make a mistake that can kind of bury some D-man mentally for a while, but he just goes out and then doesn't spin around on the blue line. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not doing that normal. I'm definitely not doing that if I just turn one over and it goes for a minus. So, um, yeah, and then that play was kind of unfortunate. If he gets that through, it's an odd man the other way. And I think, I don't know if Bo lost a tire in the back or what, but he it was weird that they ended up with three guys deep kind of behind all the forwards. And I think the Canucks forwards just expect Hughes to make the play and get it up. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how many times I can say how incredible this guy is. Those moments, but I, I think it maybe speaks to tonight because it, it did feel like a bit of a stop start. You're just waiting for your chance, waiting for your chance, and they keep trying to, as I was saying, chip it away. But, like, that's the mentality shift we're kind of keeping an eye on for this team. It feels like it, it, it showcased itself tonight. Yeah, and I think with Susie out... And even if suitors, though, and then who knows with Kuzmenko now, you, you're going to have more of those chip-away games, yeah. right? I think you're not going to have as much runaway games. You're going to be more in the fight than they have been. I mean, I think that was probably going to come back to that anyway. But that's the depth players and then guys getting ju- juggled around and stuff. I think they just need to – they're going to be in that a lot more often. Yeah, no, certainly. And we'll see what the status is on, is on Andre Kuzmenko, the only real downside of the game here tonight. But let's go outside the Canucks locker room where we are joined by defenseman Ian Cole after a 4-3 Canucks comeback victory in overtime uh, here at Diwali night. A fantastic atmosphere at the rink. And and Ian, I mean, um, I'd, ha- I'd have to ask you, if you were asked to put on the pads, do you think you can play goal? Because you've been sweeping a few pucks out from the blue- from the crease so far this season. Well, I don't mind, uh, I don't, I don't mind blocking shots and you know, just trying to help back there whenever I can, but uh, usually if we get in that position, something maybe actually more than by one thing, probably four or five things broke down, so you know, hopefully we don't find ourselves in that position too often, but um, you know, I gotta do anything, anything you can do to keep the puck out of the net, you know. But what did you think of uh, the way you guys responded? Obviously not the start you wanted with the Islanders scoring on, on the first two power play opportunities, but what did you think of the way you guys battled back? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, a team going up 2 nothing early in the first two power plays can, can shake a team, but um, you know, we didn't have our best game early, uh, but we were able to kind of grab it as we went, and they started to slowly just take that game over. And, um, you know, I think it shows a very mature uh, response from us in that we're not going to get rattled. You know, we're going to come back. Our power play stepped up huge for us, two massive goals to, to bring that within striking distance. Uh, and then Demmer, you know, kept us in enough to, to let us give us a chance to get back and win that. So, no, I think it was a, a really great effort all the way around. 
Uh, we sit up here perched uh, high above, and we get to watch it only for 60 minutes every time. You get to watch two D-men in Philip Ronick and Quinn Hughes uh, far more frequently. It was clocked in at 107 miles an hour, that Hronik shot, and Quinn obviously scoring the goal. Uh, what can you say about those guys? Did you say 107 uh, miles an hour? Apparently, uh, according to the puck tracking data, we're having a debate if that's true, but according to the puck tracking data, it came at 107.9. Okay, well, uh, I'm going to round it up to 108, and <laughs> we are going to go with that then. Uh, that's probably about the harder shot I've seen in a game. So uh, um, that was uh, that was great. So, uh, you know, he's got a heck of a shot, and, you know, obviously we, we don't want to see Kuzi uh, off that five-on-three at, at any point, but when he does go down, Phil steps up and, and, and scores a massive goal for us. So uh, that was huge. But just in terms of also his presence, five on five, I know a lot's been made about him and Quinn playing together, but tonight, obviously, with you guys not having Carson Soucy in the lineup, he was playing with a few different partners. You had a few different partners as well, but what about what he can provide five on five, even when he is away from Quinn? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, if you watch if you watch Phil and Quinn play, um, you know, they, I don't want to say they kind of rove around a little bit because that's not what it is. It's very deliberate, um, but they move. They end up on, you know, on switch sides. You know, they end up, you know, with different people, they say they, you know, they, they do a lot of creative things out there. And I think that it, all of our defensemen kind of do that to a certain extent. So um, I think that bodes well for being able to switch partners, play on either side of the ice, um, and, and make plays regardless of what side you're on. I think that, you know, saying, oh, I'm a lefty, I only play the left side, or I'm a righty, I only play the right side, doesn't really bode well for, for today's game. I think you, uh, you know, there's, there's some missed opportunities if that's the, all you can do. So um, watching those two guys especially be able to move and, and switch sides and, and create from both sides. I mean, Phil's ends up on that left side on that goal. That makes him available for a one-timer, right? So, um, you know, there are positives and negatives, and, and those guys do it uh, for the most part positive uh, all the time. So it's great. Ian, there's going to be so many fans uh, watching these first 16 games and say, hey, this is so different. Like, here you guys are at the start or at the top of the standings in the West. And, like, what's changed? Now, your perception is different because you're new here. Um, what do you look at based on, like, what you heard and, and what you thought coming into the season? Um, yeah, I mean, I, to, to be honest, uh, the first the first taste I got of it was, you know, getting here for, you know, pre-training camp and training camp and, you know, and getting asked by, you know, the media, like, well, why would you ever want to come here? Like, you've been on a lot of good teams. Why would you want to come here? Uh, and I was, I was kind of taken aback by it at first. I was kind of like, what, what do you guys mean? Like, this is, this is a really good team. Like, I'd love to be here. This is an absolute treat. Um, so it was, uh, you know, I think it's, there's a lot of, a lot of confidence in this room. And obviously, you know, things hadn't gone well the, the you know, start last year and, you know, last year and the year before that. Um, you know, not how the guys had, had, had wanted it to go. Um, that being said, I mean, the, you know, the, the bones were here, the pieces were here, the foundation was here to have a really great hockey team. And, you know, I think we brought in some, brought in some good guys as well, and, and our superstars are playing like absolute world-class, elite-level superstars. So, um, you know, when you, get, when you get great goaltending, you know, a Norris Trophy-type uh, start and, you know, a Hart Trophy-type start up front with, with Petey, it's... Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it makes things easy. And, uh, you know, we're going to have a ton of confidence. We're going to keep this thing rolling. Uh, and then obviously got a big challenge tomorrow, back-to-back in, in Calgary. So it'll be a challenge, but it'll be fun. Uh, before we let you go, uh, obviously the, the crowd here is, is super excited. You guys are now off to a 12-3-1 start. You see the vibe here in the building be what it is. Uh, what is it like playing when you hear fans be as excited as they were tonight? 
No, it's great. It's great. And, uh, you know, I know we were talking about, uh, you know, what Bo said last year about, uh, you know, the fans here. And uh, I have not experienced that, to be honest. I've experienced nothing but uh, a ton of energy and, you know, a ton of noise and, uh, you know, a fan, a fan base that really has our back. So, um, you know, it's our job to keep that going, and, and I'm sure we'll get the same support here uh, throughout the course of the year. So it's been, uh, it's been fantastic. Hey, Ian, great stuff as always, man. Fantastic, and best of luck tomorrow in Calgary. Yep, thanks so much. Uh, you got it. That is Canucks defenseman Ian Cole after a 4-3 overtime victory over the New York Islanders and, you know, gave a lot of fa- love to the fans here. And, and Brett, uh, you know, a lot was made about what Bo said coming into the game and everything like that last year. But this fan base hasn't had a reason to be this excited about the team in early in mid-November. And we're sitting here now 16 games in, and they're leading the Western Conference leading the Western Conference. They're tied in points with the Vegas Golden Knights in the same amount of games played, but they have the tiebreaker because they have 12 regulation or overtime victories. And 11 of those are just regulation victories. Both tallies are the highest in the National Hockey League. But it's just a completely different vibe. I mean, we joked about this off-air, how you came in and got familiar with this job um, last year. And when you came in, it was this team was just losing games. The vibe was a lot different. And then you come into this year, and it's just it's just completely different atmosphere in this arena right now. Yeah, like night and day could not be on more opposite sides of the spectrum. So, like, for me, it's been an absolute treat. It it, it reminds me of being excited as a player when you're playing well and you're winning and the city's going and it's buzzing. So it's it's fun now to be on the other side because I haven't really – when the Canucks – whenever we felt this for the Canucks, Mm -hmm. I was playing in the NHL and absolutely hated the Canucks. Everybody did because they were good and they had this, you know, air about them. But now it's fun. It's uh, everybody's talking about it. Obviously, the water cooler every day and, yeah. and talking to you guys and being here for the for the atmosphere. It's been incredible. So uh, I hope they keep it rolling. That's for sure. And and even the, the crowd tonight, like there was an energy, but it wasn't like a revenge energy. Like we've been through down seasons. It's like all right, go get this one against the Leafs or something like just uh, a, a token of something in a season. Yeah, there's a revenge element to tonight, but it's also like. Go get a win and go be first in the the West, and, mm-hmm. and you wake up to, or you're going to wake up tomorrow and look at the standings. It's like, oh man, like this is real here all of a sudden, and 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 that switch. It's like you, you didn't feel that energy as much of of just go get a win against an old guy. It was very much like, hey, we're in the mix here. No, absolutely. Uh, and Brett, great stuff calling the game tonight. Um, obviously, the game goes late, so we got to go for a break here. But great stuff calling the game. What an atmosphere to be a part of, and we look forward to chatting with you again very soon on Thank the weekend. You. Appreciate it. Uh, you got it. That is Brett Festerling calling the game alongside Brandon Batchelor. A thriller 4-3 Canucks victory after being down 2-0 in this game. Quinn Hughes, absolutely marvelous tonight. And JT Miller, a couple of points. We have a lot of reaction on the text inbox. 650-650. We'll get to those. Your phone calls. Plus, we'll hear from the head coach and a lot more reaction. What do we think of Bull Horvat's return scores in their loss against the Vancouver Canucks? It's Satin Bick on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. And Miller wins the draw for Besser. Back to the left point for Hughes. Chased out to center by Barzell. Hughes passes near side for Besser. Takes it back in his own end and banks it behind his own goal to Hughes in the far corner. Hughes passes to center for JT Miller. Miller 
at his own line. Scoops it ahead. Hughes has a breakaway. In alone. He shoots. He scores! <laughs> wins it for the Canucks against the old captain. I'll tell you that for free. The Canucks take it 4-3 in overtime. Yeah, pretty incredible play. I think, I think everybody in the building was thinking, why would you go back behind your own net after you're in the offensive zone? And then Miller makes an unsuspecting turn back. Hughes jumps through, and the Islanders don't know what hit him. Hughes has got a breakaway. What a shot. I think he goes crossbar and down over the glove of Sorokin. Canucks win 4-3 in overtime over the New York Islanders. And uh, Quinn Hughes, he's the talk of the game in so many different ways. Keep getting your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650 as the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. And uh, we do have a little bit of an update already on Andre Kuzmenko, Bick. JT Miller speaking post game. Uh, yeah, uh, We'll play the full audio, but uh, Harmon Dial tweeted out some of the quotes from JT Miller's media scrum. Uh, JT Miller saying Kuzmenko is good and was smiling after the game. All right. That, that's very positive. We were all concerned uh, about his status after taking a shot uh, from JT Miller. It looked like square off the face, and uh, it's just good that he's feeling a lot better, and it's not the you know a, you know a real bad case situation. But we'll also get the thoughts of the head coach, Rick Tockett, after the victory, and that is coming up in a few minutes' time. But we got that on Andre Kuzmenko at the very least. Bick, a lot of reaction on text inbox. Let's hit some of these as, as we go on here because you know a huge topic of conversation coming into the game was Bo Horvat and visibly emotional mm-hmm. before the game even for warm-ups. Uh, he's on one knee and uh, you know some people took some photos. You could see his, his eyes were red and, and somewhat tearing up. And during the first TV timeout in the first period when um, the Canucks played a short tribute video for him, he was clearly in tears on the ice waving at the at the crowd so a very emotional return for Bo Horvat tonight uh facing his former team and overall I thought the reception by the fans at the rink was mostly positive they obviously gave him a standing ovation and a lot of love um during that uh video tribute which brought tears to his eyes and there was a smattering of booze when he had the puck but it it really was half-hearted it wasn't it wasn't this like full-throated you know uh uh, objection to him when he had the puck with the boot. It started hot. Like, the very first time, I was surprised. It started hot, and it slowly cooled out, right? And he got a little bit less every time, and then after the video tribute, it completely cooled off. But he got thrown out of the circle before the video tribute, and everyone cheered. It was just kind of one of those moments of, yeah. you don't really see that all the time. But I, I thought Canucks fans hit every single note today, right? We, we talked about this coming in tonight. Like What was said was said, okay? We, we can talk about, like, did he mean it? The, the words are transcribed the way they came out, okay? Fans have a right to feel aggrieved by it. Yeah. But everyone's point of, like, hey, this guy was here nine years. He did all these things. Like, show him the appreciation, too. So it wasn't overwhelming for 60 minutes, but you said, fans came out and said, hey, that's not okay. You can't say that about us. And for nine minutes, they held it up. They said, we're going to boo you for these opening nine minutes. And just a reminder, like, we're not going to take that. And then it cooled off. And so everyone got their piece said, Bo scores a goal, everyone walks away happy today. And I thought the fans had the perfect note. You didn't need to do it for 60 minutes, you certainly don't need to do it for the rest of his career, but you sent a message that we're not going to put up with that. And so I thought the fans did a great job tonight. Uh, I thought it was a great atmosphere at the game, and, and I thought that moment too when he was in tears after the ovation, there was just kind of this, this feeling of just... The, put it to bed. 
I think it pretty much did that moment. I think after the trip, it pretty much put that entire thing to bed. And, and I think that was the, the the first period was kind of the the most of that reaction, and the rest was just kind of a game between two teams, and not a lot being directed at Bo. Yeah, we spoke to Quinn in the second intermission, and get like, yeah, hey, glad he got that reception, but like, there's 20 minutes to go. We want to yeah. get two points here, and everyone's got to go get a job done. And that's why I mentioned earlier that yeah, it's a revenge night, but it really was the subplot. And yes. because of the team's success, suddenly there's this demand of, hey, go get two points. I think that's the feeling here, too. As much as there's all this talk about Bo, this is a team that came into the game 11-3-1 with a chance to be the, to get first place in the Western Conference. And they came through and did that tonight. And that's the, I think that's the biggest moment. And even, I mentioned this before the show, that even all, a lot of this discussion around Bo, I don't see a lot of venom in it and a lot of anger because there isn't this existential dread about the direction of the organization all of a sudden or where they're headed or what they're doing as a team right now. So I, th- I think there's a far more positive, uplifting vibe around the team. And if had that been different, maybe the reaction goes different. But a lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650-650. NH says, Kessler got booed harder. I was at that game. I don't disagree. I do agree that other former Canucks like Ryan Kessler did get it, get it a lot harder from the fan base. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And again, it, it, it's, it started, but it, it totally faded away. And, and I thought everyone just did a great job on, on that one. 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Chris and Duncan, don't think Bo Visit could have gone any better. Score, video tribute, tears. Uh, he got booed when he touched the puck, but we won. Uh, and I'll tell you that for four cents. Yes, I still pay by the text. <laughs> Jokes for 60. Uh, I like it. I like it. Coming through. Uh, fantastic stuff. Now, Marco and Renfro, Renfrew says... You guys got to break down that OT goal. And, and honestly, Bick, I mean, it's it's Quinn Hughes doing Quinn Hughes things. And he does get behind the defense of the New York Islanders. And Bo Horvath's on the ice as well. I don't know if that's necessarily on Bo. I know a lot of people are saying, like, oh, he let him slip by. I don't know if I, I look at that and I say that's, that one's on uh, well, Bo's behind the line anyways. Like, the D's pushed up. And it's three-on-three. Three. Like, yeah, it's, it's, things are going to happen three-on-three. Three three. But really... This is why they're trying to change it. But Quinn Hughes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so in previous years, we would have said, hey, Quinn Hughes on a one-on-one chance, his best chance of scoring would have been to maybe walk the puck into the mm-hmm. net with some deke or whatever. He comes in and wires it. Mm-hmm. There, there's a clear difference in his confidence and also what, what a threat that shot of his is. Because he picked the spot. And that's a pretty goal, good goaltender he did it against. Ilya Sorokin, he's, he's, he's pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, man, it is uh, remarkable to see. Like, we know the confidence of Quinn with the skating and the passing ability uh, with the shot now. And it, it's improved, obviously. It's, it's not 107.9 like Heronic, <laughs> which I, I still dispute. I don't know if, it's, if it was. I mean, I saw it. I'm like, that was a cannon. I don't know if it was 108, 108 but... Ian Cole, who we just had on post game, he said it's the hardest shot he's seen in a game. I, and don't forget, like yeah. he played on a team with the Tampa Bay Lightning, Headman, Headman, and these other guys who can crush the puck, Stamco. So, and he said that's the hardest he's seen somebody shoot the puck in a game. So maybe it was. I don't know. But, I agree with you, but when I hear a guy like Ian Cole, who's a veteran of many years in the National Hockey mm-hmm. League, says the hardest shot he's seen in a game, maybe just maybe there's something to it. Uh, but just going back to Quinn, like we see him like when it's uh, half court, yeah, kind of offense. He's he's willing to get into the middle and get that shot off. But seeing it on a breakaway, 
That was really good. It and was. hey, it's it's suddenly another club in the bag for him to say, I've got this and everyone should be aware of it. And he's got twenty six points, tied with Elias Pettison, <laughs> tied with JT Miller, and they're all tied for first in the NHL. It is. I mean, it's remarkable. Uh, and we'll get to Philip Hironik as well. But on that play, JT Miller uh, gets another assist. I mean, a 3.9 for JT Miller. And it was a subplot as well, JT versus Bo, because the player they kept versus the player they traded. And the player they kept tonight had three points and got the helper on the game winner. This game was just as well. full of narrative. Like, it was. I mean, if you want to craft a narrative, you got plenty of plenty of evidence for your plot. There was the like the pass of the torch of Quinn Hughes scoring the game winner of captain to captain. Uh, obviously, JT and Bo, uh, they both have their successes today. You know, Beauvillier almost tipped in a goal as well late in the third, and he did it. It's it's, it's pure chaos for the narrative. Uh, I'm just trying to bring this up here. Uh, JT versus Bo tonight. Uh, looks like uh, JT uh, in the faceoff circle. Uh, went 14 for 23, so 61%. Against Bo. Against Bo. Not bad. Yeah. And uh, in the offensive zone, 6 for 11, 55%. In the defensive zone, 3 or 5, uh, and 5, 7 in the neutral zone. <laughs> pretty good. Mm-hmm. JT's pretty good. And I think the way he's played so far this year. Now, 5 on 5, it wasn't, they weren't, like if you looked at the matchup against the bow line, I thought Matthew Barzell tonight was very good. I thought his speed created, I think what, what they did was prevent the JT line from really getting a forecheck going a ton, five on five. I think his speed uh, negated some of that and also being able to gain the zone as easily as he is with the speed that he has. I think they it causes some issues in terms of zone time, five on five, but I think that's the only thing you can kind of criticize the JT line for was, you know, how they weren't able to dominate possession against uh, Matthew Barzal. But even so, how many clear grade-A chances did they have five on five? I mean, the best chance that line had was off the turnover from Quinn Hughes mm-hmm. that led to the Horvath goal. Outside of that, I don't I even really notice a lot of breakdowns or issues with that line. So even against the top line of the Islanders, I thought they did a pretty good job of preventing high-danger high scoring chances. Uh, this would also say, I, I think this is the best game Barzell has had all year. He looked good. He, yeah. like, every time the puck was on a stick, uh, it felt like something was going to happen, and that goal for Horvat was funny, because he was trying to, like, force-feed it to him, and finally Horvat gets that shot off, and, uh, like, man, Barzell at his best is really exciting player. It was interesting to watch him and, like, Quinn at the same time, to see how, how shifty uh, Barzell can be in different areas of the ice, but right. certainly uh, very capable of generating space and chances as well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you saw some of that and, and what troubles they can pose, but the Canucks, how they were able to kind of come back in this game, obviously, and 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 win three t- and 4-3 in overtime with Quinn Hughes getting the winner. A lot of reaction on a text inbox pick, 650-650. Uh, this one here says, Hughes is the best player in the NHL right now. Hard to argue against them. Uh, that's Kevin Warman in Powell River. Could you make the argument Quinn Hughes is the best player in the National Hockey League right now because he's a defenseman and he's tied for the league lead in scoring? I don't. I don't think it's a. It's a ridiculous statement to make at this point. Not that he is the best player in the NHL. Yeah, it just. But right now, on form, like based on sixteen games. And how, how about this? The year. Is Quinn Hughes the best performer in the National Hockey League so far this season? I, my answer would be yes. I think he's been better and more impactful than Pedersen has been so far mm-hmm. this year. And he's playing defense. And Pedersen's been marvelous. I'm not sitting here and, and trying to criticize Pedersen. But I agree with Kevin. I think so far this season, Quinn Hughes has been the best performer in the National Hockey League. I think it's between him and probably Pasternak. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, and honestly, even Thatcher Demko. Yeah, uh, yep, Thatcher Demko. Yeah, like it, it's a really, really short list. Just because the way it's gone in Edmonton, it's, it's, it's not McDavid. He obviously missed a couple of games. No, and again, this isn't a statement on who's the best Talent, player in the NHL. Yeah. It's like right now, who's performed the best? Kucherov, maybe. Yeah, Kucherov is, is, is fantastic. But but yeah, it's in the. You can make an argument. And I, I think like I'm just I'm just trying to think of names, but. The, the the only name that really jumps out and grasps you is Quinn Hughes. Like we're sitting here, like twenty six points is crazy talk. Uh, it will be a da- or a plus seventeen uh, through through these games. So like he, he he's a goal to the good every game. Yeah, no, he's been absolutely fantastic. Um, this text here says. Um, did the fans chant JT Miller with the announcer? It sounded very WWE, very cool. Yeah, when he scored his goal. Yeah. They did chant JT Miller. And, and the fans also chanted Kuzmenko when mm-hmm. Kuzmenko was helped off the ice um, after taking a shot to the face. But uh, I'm glad he's feeling a lot better in terms of what JT Miller said post game. We'll get more reaction from the head coach uh, when we get that audio to you. That's coming up very soon. This text says, You guys are underselling the ovation, loudest ovation I've seen. I wouldn't say it was the loudest ovation I've seen. I mean, we, we, were, we were here at the rink. It was a good ovation for Bo Horvat, and I mentioned a standing ovation. They they serenaded him with cheers. Mm-hmm. It was a very heartfelt, strong ovation. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's it's the loudest ovation, but it was it, it was it was a it was a really nice moment. Like Linden on opening night was louder. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not trying to say it was yeah. it wasn't. It was a very nice moment, and it was enough to move Bo Horvat mm-hmm. to tears, obviously. But I wouldn't say it was, it was the loudest ovation I've I've seen. But obviously, the fans came through in a big way here tonight. Uh, six fifty, six fifty. Uh, okay, this is a clever one. I, I don't want to read too many. Tell you that for free jokes tonight, but this one is. I'll read the clever ones. Uh, the Canucks are a better team without Horvat. I'll tell you that four three. Final score. Oh, I see. Final score. So some good work in the inbox there. Six fifty, six fifty. Yeah. No, and that's good. That's good. And speaking of three, uh, this one says. So I know it's early, but there's a three-way tie for the league scoring lead, and they're all Canucks. Mm-hmm. This is bonkers, and the numbers are. It's it's pretty funny when you look at uh, the Canucks um, stats leaders. All the numbers are crooked. It's. Guys like Elias Patterson, twenty six points and, and sixteen games. No, they are. I mean, these are crooked numbers they're putting up. I mean, they're like video game numbers. You know how like you, you start a new season in NHL, you may start on like an easier mode, and you're fifteen games in, and you're just piling up points. You're like, oh, I got to change the difficulty. Like that's what these numbers look like so far this season. I mean, these guys are on pace for 130, 140 points right now. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, six fifty, six fifty. Al from Nelson uh, Miller's contract already starting to look like a bargain. Some nights you could put up the argument he's be- he's the best. Better overall player than PD. Mike and Tawasen saying, this is fun. All the good vibes makes me happier wondering uh, how Mike from Surrey is going to spin into it a negative. Uh, everyone's getting in the inbox. A lot of competition going on in the inbox. No, there we, is. We, I we like it. To, you want to get your text read. you got to come in competing. Yeah, absolutely. Compete hard, and we'll get some more of your text messages. All right, a lot of thoughts coming in. We'll get to those on the other side. Plus, we'll hear from head coach Rick Tockett after a 4-3 Canucks victory in overtime over the New York Islanders. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Back to Hironic. Right circle. Left wing Hughes. For Besser. Time running out on the power play. Hughes has it high slot. 
Fans urging them to shoot. Hironic shoots. He scores from the left circle. Philip Hironic has his first as a Canuck and extends his point streak to 11 games. The game is tied at three. What a bomb. 100.4 miles per hour on the gun from Philip Hironic. Did you say 107 uh, miles an hour? Apparently, uh, according to the puck tracking data, we're having a debate if that's true, but according to the puck tracking data, it came at 107.9. Okay, well, uh, I'm going to round it up to 108, and <laughs> we are going to go with that then. Uh, that is Ian Cole after we broke down that Philip Hironic shot. And we were watching it in slow motion uh, numerous times during the break. You can't even see the puck in slow motion. That's how fast it moves. And watch it in real time. I And I... And I challenge you to, to find a still of the puck in motion until it hits the back of the net. I don't know how hard it was hit. I just know that it was absolutely crushed. And it was a big help in the Canucks' comeback victory to win 4-3 in overtime over the Islanders. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. And, I mean, it was an absolute bomb, Bick. It was I an just, absolute bomb. Look, my, my heart wants to believe, okay? My heart <laughs> wants to believe. Uh, but uh, Jay Fresh Hockey, uh, Jay Fresh Hockey tweeted, it would be the fastest shot clocked since we've had data by roughly six miles an hour. And look, I want to believe, and it's the official number coming from our puck tracking data, and maybe he did. But man, it, it, it's hard to dispute because there's data behind it. But. Uh, I'm skeptical. Yeah. Well, you know what? We'll get to more of your reaction on that. But we mentioned the head coach, and here he is post game after a 4 3 victory over the Islanders at Rogers Arena. Yeah, I mean, you got to commend the guys' resiliency. Um, some big goals. You know, um, thought maybe the, the, the come back from the road trip were a little sloppy early. Uh, some guys, though, the third line and some parts of the fourth line kind of got us back in the game. Um, but for overall, you know, obviously the power play was was big. Um, so yeah, the other results of the team. It's a it's a nice win. Take them. You mentioned that third line. You had to move Bluger into that spot with Suter out. What did you think of his game and how he adapted? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, for a guy that's been out for you know it's his second game this season. I mean, he did really well. Did really well. What's the situation with Suter? Suter is day to day. He's day to day. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to play tomorrow. When, uh, talk to the doctors. Uh, any update on Kuzmenko? No, but it's, somebody I didn't see him. But somebody said he at least he walked to the to the to wherever he was going, which is good. Um, I think he took it right off the chin. I was whew. so I, I don't know. I think he's going to probably go to the hospital. See, but the good thing is, if there's any positive, that he walked to to wherever he was going, which is I guess that's big. On the five-on-three, after that, you put on Hronik. Was the thought to get a bigger shot from the point uh, in that situation? Oh, yeah. You know, uh, the Islanders played, uh, you know, one up, two back. And, you know, to me, it was just that high roll. You know, it's either Huggy shoots it with a traffic or you get the big one time. But that's, you know, Phil's good. he's got a great shot, obviously. And I was, I mean, I don't think any goalie could have stopped that bullet. So, yeah. The power play you mentioned was successful tonight. You really wanted to get a lot of movement and, and rotation in on the man advantage. Have you been 
pleasantly surprised with how quickly those guys have, have picked that up and been able to execute, and it seems like there is consistently a lot more motion and different looks that your guys are able to create. Yeah, because they've been successful in the past, so sometimes, you know, you, you know, you, you bring different ideas, so they haven't been bullheaded. They, they, you know, at first they were like, you know, they like what they were doing, and I think when the movement, they understand it, and, and they weren't bullheaded, and they embrace it, you know, which is nice. Um, you know, I think today's power play, you know, you have to move. You know, you can't be stagnant. And we get in trouble is when we do get stagnant. And I, I just thought tonight we got some really good movement, some big goals, some big shots. I mean, that's a hell of a goalie over there. So he's tough to beat. Quinn said uh, another test for the reset tonight, Rick, and the fact that this group does not want to lose. Uh, when you get that from your captain in terms of leadership and it seems to permeate through the room, I mean, it had makings of one of those nights. Maybe it's not going to be there right. tonight. Yet it was. What does that say? Yeah, I thought after this first period, I mean, you know, they got those two power play goals. Um, you know, we were a little sloppy in some parts of our game, but I thought the mood after the first, I went in there, you know, I was talking to the coaches, and um, they were actually really good. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a cocky, like, hey, we're, you know, what, like it was more like, hey, we're two down. There's plenty of time left. Uh, that's the, the vibe I got. So I didn't really. I said a couple of technical things. I didn't say anything mindset-wise. I mean, they, they, they handled that part. It was more tactical. I wanted a couple of things we could have did against the Islanders technical. But, um, you know, I didn't have to say anything to motivate those guys. You've been around the game a long time. Yeah. When Quinn was at Michigan, uh, one of the coaches said, before he got drafted, he said, you're probably going to not believe this, but there's a lot of Bobby Orr in him. And now that he's approaching his 300th game, he's already passed Paul Coffey, and he's not that far behind Bobby Orr. How amazed are you by that in terms of point production? Yeah, I mean, you know, he works at his game. You know, he wanted to, he wasn't pleased with some of his offense last year, which, you know, it's amazing because he's an offensive defenseman. Obviously, he could defend, but he really walks the blue line really well. Um, and he's added that um, that move, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's worked on his shot. I mean, that was a, obviously a bullet that that shot at the end. So everything he's got, he's earned it. It's not. I'm mean, sure he's got God-given talent, but he's he's earning his abilities also. Nearly 30 minutes of ice time for Quinn tonight. Yeah, he spoke about how you guys, you and um, Footy, have been managing his minutes earlier in the season. How important is that for nights like tonight when you need him to play that many minutes? Yeah, I mean the thirty minutes, like it's it's you know a lot of power play. Like, I mean, what, what do we have? Five powers of five power plays uh, we had tonight. I can't remember five or six. So that's you know that's twelve minutes, um, and they had possession a lot. So you know they're you know just I don't know what he had ten minutes of power play time. So it, it's not a I mean listen, it's hard, but it's not a grinding. I, I you know I, I don't really want him to play thirty minutes if it's not a lot of power plays. It's a lot of grinding. We got we do have to manage his minutes though. This is a, a marathon, not a sprint. But tonight, I mean, as a play, you know, you can't take the guy off the ice. I mean, you, you got to put him on the power play. So, and you know, you saw him out there. He's got some lungs. I mean, look at the look at the overtime goal. You know, what did you make of the rest of your defensemen tonight? Uh, depth, obviously, without Susie. I think Tyler Myers is playing. He's really playing well. I mean, I thought he played good tonight. I, I think the last seven games, eight games, um, he's been one of our better players. I really do. Uh, playing with a lot of confidence. Um, and I think Kohler's, Kohler's getting a lot of minutes playing Yeoman's work. You know, obviously, you know, Phil, you know, he's been a monster this year. So, um, you know, Jules is chipping in. You know, Friedman 
was a little bit better tonight. So you know we're, we're getting uh, we're getting some good stuff from them. Coming back from a Eastern Road trip, yeah. first game back, possibility to just be a little bit flatter, be tired in the third period, but it seemed like the energy level really went up from the team as the game went on. Does that speak to your fitness requirements and the sort of preseason standard that's been set that they are able to find that extra gear? Yeah, I was told that before that um, after these road trips, like the next game here, the percentage wasn't good winning. And... Um, you know, made it known to the players last year and this year that we have to do some different things. Like we stay overnight now. We, we didn't this time. Um, but for me, there's some science to it. We got to figure ways how to, you know, how do we win that next game at home after a long road trip? It's not, well, it's the longest road trip. You lose a game. So I, I felt there was a mental toughness from the guys knowing, yeah, you know, there's it's tough. You get home at six in the morning body clock time you get the day off and then you practice it, it, it's tough you know the jet lag but i thought they dealt with it uh, pretty good i mean they had a good practice yesterday i could I, I thought some guys felt it though i could feel they were a little little sluggish but i thought the team in general lifted everybody how nice was it to see heronic score his first for you after how well he's played and i don't know if you're aware the puck tracking data said that the shot was 107.9 miles yeah. per hour yeah, he's got a bullet. Um, I like to see him shoot that more often because he has got a rocket. Um, and there's some plays that we should set him up for those, one, you know, those one-timers. But yeah, no, he's he's been incredible this year. I mean, the guy's what what's he average? 25, 26 minutes. He's defended really well. Um, it's great, you know, him and Huggy together when they're together. Awesome. But yeah, no, he's got the shot. It's terrific. Penalty kill uh, has yeah. been much and much better this season, especially at cutting off the cross seam pass. But in that first period, it seemed to be back that issue of of allowing that pass through the seam. Um, Myers said you addressed that in the first intermission. What was the adjustment that you needed to make there? Yeah, it wasn't so much the seam. It was it was I always go downhill. I didn't think we got a block. I, I thought Josh shows uh, Dakota was just a little late on the on, on the flexing out. We like him to go sideways. Our technique of blocking shots, he was, and then Petey got screwed up. He, he dove in, and that allowed the other flanker. So um, there's just a couple of, you know, I, I, I really, honestly, I, I really think the power, the penalty kill has been good. I really, I know the stats don't, I'm not too worried about it, but there is some cleanup stuff we have to do, and we did clean that up, um, you know, if they got the power play again. Seemed like the bottom six provided a lot of energy tonight. The the Garland line seemed to be particularly yeah. good tonight. Hoaglander coming in uh, kind of last minute there. Uh, what did you see from them in terms of bringing some energy when the top six was off the ice? Yeah, I, I think it's tough because, uh, like I said, there was six minutes, uh, 12 minutes of power play time, and some of those guys don't play it. So that's really, and I said to you guys this before, it's hard. That's the world we live in, right? you got to be ready to go. Um, what they do is, and I, I said this last year, we needed four checkers. Keep the puck down there like, you know, like Lafferty, holding pucks down there, you know, uh, uh, Hoaglander, you know, like uh, even Bo. I thought he was on the puck tonight, uh, Bolivia. So I think that's the key. Um, when you get the four check, it's not one and done. They're keeping the puck down there. That's huge. And I think I think all year they've done a nice job for us, to be honest with you. And it sucks sometimes, I know, sitting there and you're watching 12 minutes of power play time. But, uh, you know, how do you – I mean, the other guys, they have so much possession time, it's hard to kick them off the ice. You know, it's hard. 
That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 4-3 overtime victory over the New York Islanders. And, I mean, uh, full of praise for Quinn Hughes and the work he's done. Had a couple updates. Uh, Pew Suter, who missed the game uh, due to some undisclosed injury, says he's day-to-day. Not sure he'll play tomorrow. No update on Kuzmenko, but said the positive was he was on his own feet walking. And we know JT mentioned he, he looked okay and smiling post-game Kuzmenko, that is. So some positives on his side. Now, we are going to get to more of your text messages messages and your phone calls on the other side. No Ian McIntyre tonight, but we'll get to JT Miller as well. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar here on the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People's Show with Bick Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Kuzmenko, left wing, one-timer. Deflected up and over the goal, and Hughes has to bat it out of midair to keep it into the right point. Another great play by the Canuck captain. Miller gets it, bottom of the right circle. Saucer pass to Besser, he scores! A wicked one-timer off the stick of Brock Besser from the slot. He's got his team-leading 13th goal of the season, and it's 3-2. Yeah, this is a classic. Besser in that soft area, kind of top of the circle. Miller with a nice little sauce pass. Your Vancouver Canucks atop the Western Conference standings. 25 points in 16 games. First place tied with the Vegas Golden Knights, but they have the tiebreaker and regulation wins. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650 courtesy of Dunbar Lumber. And we are going to get to your phone calls, so stay there patiently. We'll get to a couple of your calls in a few minutes, and you'll hear what JT Miller had to say. Had an update on Kuzmenko who we mentioned, and hopefully some positive news more forthcoming in the next day or so. But also, he was full of jokes and comments, so we'll get to JT Miller. But, Bick, before we hit the text, we have phone boards. Let's run through some of these text messages uh, because they are there are a ton of them coming in tonight. Uh, refreshing Rod from Mission uh, said, I thought the Canucks showed good character tonight. Years before, they wouldn't stay in the fight. Thought they looked a little tired, but PD and etc. Uh, still found a way to win. Pigeon Talk in Coquitlam says, what do you think is hard to defend? Miller's chip pass to the slot in the power play or Tyler Myers doing his bi-weekly coast-to-coast rush while the team is changing? Uh, give me that Miller pass. That's unbelievable. That's a, That saucer pass on the power play, unreal. And Quinn made an cr- incredible play at the blue line before that to keep the puck in. Another key... And I mean, I can honestly talk about Quinn all day. And you mentioned uh, getting set up half court almost. He looks like a point guard breaking mm-hmm. guys down and just taking guys on afterwards. He's he's a magnificent hockey player, and it was, that was on full display here tonight. Um, Brock Besser, he's getting uh, some kudos here as well tonight. This one says, Besser is all of a sudden earning every penny of his $6 million contract. I hope we can still say that at the end of the year slash playoffs. It's a great story. And of course it is for Brock Besser. He's now up to 13 goals on the campaign, which means for him to get the 30 goals. Two assists tonight. Two assists. Yeah, I mean, he's up to 21 points on the season. But right now, for him to hit the 30-goal mark something that we talked about him doing, he needs 17 goals in his final 66 games. I think it's doable. I think it's doable. Especially when we're playing this way right now. Yeah. And, and, and the team is just filling the net right now. And we we mentioned hey, JT, PD, Quinn Hughes, all sitting there with 26 points. 
you just said Brock Besser 21 sitting in ninth in scoring. Those three are leading the way, and Brock's uh, sitting in ninth in scoring right now. Yeah, uh, just absolutely incredible here from the Vancouver Canucks, just filling the score sheet. Um, and obviously, Philip Heronik, people are texting in about as well, but nobody can give as much love as his agent, Alan Walsh, does on, okay. on Twitter yet again, just, just throwing it. out all the love for him. And, and here is his... I mean, now that Alan Walsh saw that... Uh, that shot was 107 <laughs> miles an hour. Is he going to try to get a million for every single mile per hour on that slap <laughs> shot? This one says a 107.9 million mile per hour clapper is nearly unheard of. Close to a hashtag FRK bomb. The hardest shot, shot ever recorded in hockey history. So Alan Walsh is going to run with this all day and night. And it doesn't matter what's true and what's not true. And hey, again, the stats say... The official clock on that shot is, is 107.9 miles per hour. So Big shout out to uh, Martin Furk as well. Um, I, I Look, I, I'm so skeptical. <laughs> Just, if, if, he, if he's got that, like, why wasn't like why is the power featuring t- the power play featuring Teddy Bluger sometimes? Like the second unit should do everything it can to get Just Philip Philip Ronick Ronick the, shot. the shot. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. That's what it should be. Uh, this one here says, Quinn Hughes, the fastest defenseman in Canucks history to get to 20 uh, assists. Uh, number one this year. Number two last year was Quinn Hughes as well. And number three, Qu- Henrik Sedin from 13 years ago. We ha- currently have a defenseman who is a better passer than the best passer ever on this team. What a time to be a Canucks fan. I, I mean, considering the age that Quinn Hughes is and he's doing these things, that's not a ridiculous statement. No, we're genuinely running out of words uh, to talk about Quinn Hughes um, because, like, every game, it's he's putting someone on the blue line in a blender. And tonight it was, like, five, six, seven different Islander forwards that he was just causing a headache over and over again. Then the goal and, and, and then the keeps. It was a little bit of everything from Quinn. And look at there's a reason why tonight he was the first star, and it, it, it's not a mistake to say he's been the best player in the NHL so far. No, absolutely, um, it's 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 not at all. With I mean, he leads the league in points, and he's been good defensively, and he's playing almost. Well, he's played 30 minutes tonight. It's, it's unreal what he's doing. Uh, this text message here says Dino with a bone, and Friedman was a bit better. Not a glowing review from the head coach of Hirose next game. It wouldn't shock me if Hirose gets in mm-hmm. next game, because if you look at the ice time, and I mentioned before the game, uh, you know, I was talking to um, Reach uh, mm-hmm. pregame, and I was like, given the way this defense is built, I would bet on the under from when it comes to minutes. Like, I'd say neither guy gets to 14 minutes. Both guys, Friedman and Juleson. So tonight, Mark Friedman played 9.48, and Noah Juleson clocked in at 11.25. So there's your hierarchy. It's not a huge bar to cross. Uh, we'll see if the matchup is different against Calgary. And you know, Mark Friedman took the hit to draw a penalty. Other than that, didn't really notice him, which I think is a compliment. Just hey, do the job. Uh, Noah Juleson featured a little bit more. Nothing really stood out. A couple, of, maybe yeah. in his own zone, a couple of moments, but. Hey, like when he needed to move it easy, simply, he did so. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's performances we look at and say, "Oh, look, they got to stay in the lineup." Like we've seen an, an effective nine-minute game from like a Nils Hoglander, a lot easier as a, a four-checking forward. But 
I didn't notice anything. I was like, oh yeah, they have to stay in the lineup tonight. Yeah, or or that they were noticeably bad or anything, mm-hmm. so the coach could easily stay with the same lineup regardless. Uh, this text from Girk from Cold Lake, Alberta. Ian Cole saved the game tonight. That's the fifth time he's chipped mm-hmm. the puck away from the goal line this season so far. And I mean, he's he's making Alex Edler proud with a fo- with a defenseman playing goaltender. You know, I was joking that he's been the Canucks' third best goalie so far this season with the number of saves he's had in the crease for the Vancouver Canucks. And we spoke to him post game, and his answer to that was. Well, if I'm fishing pucks out like that, a lot of bad things happen for that to happen. And that also shows you the mentality. And even he spoke about the team, too, and how they, despite the fact they go down 2 nothing and it's two power play goals, and that can be a bit demoralizing for a team. The Canucks never really wavered after that. Like, I thought they just got better as the game went on. Mm-hmm. At no point did you really feel like they couldn't get back into this hockey game. And that's a testament to how even keeled they do stay through games now. No, it's a trend that we've been seeing here, like, even against Montreal. You know, rough first period, but build upon it. And they were better in the second and the third. Okay, Toronto was a little bit different. Um, but you've seen them grow into games significantly. And it was interesting to hear Rick Tockett say how yeah, went in there in the first intermission and just made tactical technical changes that we wanted to address. Not about going in there, give the rah-rah speech, pull it out of the cabinet, say, yeah. hey, speech number 42 tonight. It wasn't that. It was, you know, just, hey, a couple of things we want to change. So some adjustments to tilt the game in your favor so an interesting note from Rick Tockett as well no absolutely um Let's hit a couple texts. We'll get to the phone boards. This one here says, Nate says, need to bring Cole on for more more to talk. Always a good listen when he's on. He is, man. He's, he's already a favorite of ours, and there's a reason why you hear him oftentimes on the radio and with other people because he's a guy that's really forthcoming. Hanging out with Randy Janda. Yeah, well. That was a great bit, by yeah. the way. Fantastic bit. Uh, William Langley says, that was a great game, guys. When was the last time we could say the Canucks are first in the conference? Hughes for the Norris Babe, that is Will, William and Langley texting it. I mean, that's yeah, that's something you haven't been able to say. Uh, I want to address this one because uh, we have had a couple of texts about this. Was me or did the refs help the Canucks a bit after missing a couple of calls against the Islanders in the first? It was interesting because in the first, it felt like they were letting a couple of things go, even against the Canucks. Uh, but then as the game went, went along, and, and our good friend Mike and Surrey is texting in, six straight power plays for the Canucks uh, over the course of that game. Now, the one that stunned us is the two penalties at two the same slashes time. both of them yeah. were slashes a, a minor and a trip yeah minor and trip right and um sorry a slash and a, and a trip, trip yeah two both minors. of minors yes yeah um that one was the puzzling one like the full two minute five on three it it, it happens a little surprised again given the game flow Honestly, we've spoken to how many games have we had where people are texting in about, man, the officials, I can't believe how bad they are. And over the course of a season, these Mm -hmm. things will even out. Listen, there were two infractions on the same play. That is true. It was a slash and it was a hook or a trip. And the Anders Lee one, it's like he breaks a stick. So, like, it is what it is. I mean, so I think those, they were. Like, he had every chance to go up ice and skate to go after the loose puck. And he chose to, like, look at Joshua and then step into Joshua. That one's. All you can do, Clutterbuck is elbows basically into Friedman's head, into the boards. Um, maybe the Mayfield trip, like that one, in, uh, maybe you call, pull that one back. But felt a lot of these were earned. Yeah, I thought so too. Uh, you don't always see them get call- called, but they certainly do. Uh, Calvin from Coquitlam, one major critique for tonight, the team needs to work on their 5-on-3 plays. And honestly, I turned to you after the Canucks scored on the 5-on-3 because it was like 20 seconds on. left. Can I just tell the story? Yes. 
I said to you, two D-men on the 513 oh, yeah. power play? And seconds later, Ronick's like, oh, I heard that one from the gondola. Here's the 108 clapper. And immediately retracted my tweet. Yeah, that was pretty funny. And I turned to you. like, You idiot. <laughs> you can't wreck you fool is what you said. It was really good. Uh, just great timing. But, but it's because Kuzmenko took the shot off yes. the face on the five on three as well, which was distressing. He looked to be in a lot of dif- discomfort. You know, there was a role. Everyone got quiet in the entire arena. And, you know, he was slamming his, you know, he was just, he looked like he was in a lot of discomfort. Let me just put it that way. Kuzmenko on the ice. So it seemed like the whole team was a bit shaken. And even though when Hirona came on, it was, I think, it was about a minute 10 left on the power play, but the puck just kind of kept moving on the outside. Not, not much was happening. And I turned to you at one point, and I was about to say, man, as much as the Canucks have two power play goals, like this looks to be shaping up as a real missed opportunity on the five on three. And then Heronic scores. And the next thing you know, it's like, well, you scored three power play goals tonight. How can you how can you even possibly criticize the power play? But I get what the texture is getting at on the five on three. I thought they kind of got too comfortable just moving it on the outside. Now, give credit to the Islanders. I thought they did a good job of taking away the seam pass, despite the fact they were down two men on the five-on-three. But yes, I mean, that shot goes through and it changes everything. And maybe a slight, tiny little critique, like Calvin from Coquitlam mentions, but that might be pretty much it outside of, you know, just getting scored on on their first two PK opportunities. And even those, I mean, it wasn't like really breakdowns. It was kind of like just kind of bad breaks a little bit. On the PK? On the two PK goals? Like, it wasn't like they were necessarily getting broken down terribly. The Brock Nelson won. I, I didn't like that Miller and Myers kind of got stuck on the board. Yes, fair enough on that. They don't cut that one off. And actually, you know what? Obviously, uh, you're talking talk about Joshua on the Engvall goal. It was what we talked about, myself and Dan Riccio, in the first intermission. He, he, he collapses really hard to, to get to the back post there with Pajot. But he sags way too deep, deep and doesn't really get back into the play. And, and is he on the right side of the post? And is he blocking half of the net? Um, so, I, so I think there's to, uh, things to nitpick on that uh, Engvall goal as well. Yeah, no, certainly there, there is. All right, we'll try to hit some more of your text messages. And we are going to hear from JT Miller post game as well. Uh, but let's go to the phone boards. Uh, thanks, everybody, waiting patiently to get on. Let's start off with Aiden in Nanaimo. Aiden, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Oh, boys, that was nuts. I love it. How did you find that game? No, it was a great game, man. What did you think? I thought that they had an okay first period, and then they just tore it to pieces. That shot, that game-time shot, was insane. The Quinn Hughes breakaway was probably better. I love this team. I am so so pumped up. Let's go, Canucks. Let's Thanks. go. Thanks for the phone call, Aiden. A bit, a bit echoey there, but uh, we understand the he's hype like he's the, coming uh, in from. BC Place announcer type voice. It's yeah. Just, <laughs> just, echoes. just echoes. All right. Uh, or, or perhaps a tunnel, like Fast Eddie says, back in, in Mission Control. Let's continue on the phone board. Let's go to Ladner, where Jason on, is on the line. Uh, Jason, what's going on, man? Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Hey, boys. How you doing? You hear me okay? Yeah, we got gotcha. you. So I've been uh, I've been working uh, a lot and uh, driving, so I listen to the radio. And if you guys aren't on or if it's not a Canucks game night, I go over to our uh, next-door neighbors in Calgary. Let me tell you, okay, so I my analogy is like the Canucks have been like the ex-girlfriend that keeps calling you saying, I've changed, I've changed. And every year we go, you know what, she has changed, and we take her back. 
And I know because I'm not alone, there must be others out there who are still, despite this record, despite Hughes and Miller and Petey, are still thinking in the back of their mind, has she changed? And just own it. Because you know what? If you listen to the radio in Calgary, oh, my Lanta. It's all Huberto. Huberto. What are we going to do with Huberto? Should we put him in goal? Maybe he can play defense. Maybe he can be the Zamboni driver. Should we eat his uh, next uh, 10 years and put it, uh, like, buy it out and then pay 5.5 for 14 years? Bro, if you're still unsure, just embrace this season and enjoy it. Thank you. Hey, uh, thank, thanks for the phone call. Jason and Ladner calling in. And honestly, there's a lot to that. Just enjoy the good vibes because this is the best start in franchise history, essentially, at this point. 16 games, 20, 25 points leading to the Western Conference right now. And, I mean, we'll see ultimately where this season ends and where it goes. But I think we can all agree that the Canucks are a good hockey team. Are they a great team? Are they a true selling cup contender? I mean, that's going to remain to be seen. You know, you don't know these things until later in the season anyways. But I think they're legitimately a good hockey team now. Well, the, the, the worry that there was against, like, okay, do you enter the tier of Vegas and, and, and all these other teams is depth. Okay, well, now it's going to get tested. Yeah. Susie's out six to eight mm-hmm. weeks. Suter goes out tonight. And, and you just look at the minutes, and Rick Tockett's very aware. It's, okay, we can't play Quinn Hughes 29 minutes a night. we got to manage that. Over the next six weeks, it's going to be interesting to see how it gets managed and how everything just starts getting picked at. Yeah. And if if you see a little bit of erosion uh, from some of the players, it, okay, it might not happen tonight, might not happen tomorrow against Calgary, but ask me again in three weeks, five weeks. It, you know, it's a different scale because we're talking about great players here. But remember last year like when Spencer Martin had to take over? And first game, it went well. And we just said, okay, like the, the mental and physical fatigue for someone that's not used to this takes its toll yes and obviously we know what happened by the end of january so it's just something to be to just just consider have in the back of your head over these next two months here obviously these, these players are fantastic and they're playing and they're rolling right now but you, you, like you can't play 29 minutes a night it, it, it will slip well yeah of course and that's that's gonna be one of the things that you're gonna have to manage but the reality is when you have these high-end guys like quinn at times, you're going to play them these minutes, and they are going to be able to handle it. It's how you handle it in other games as well. We can keep those minutes down. Uh, we'll get to some of your text messages. Like this one here says, what a great call. The national perspective. And Sealeg says, that caller got me even more pumped up. Go Canucks, go. Uh, yeah, get hyped. Uh, let's continue on the phone boards, and let's go to Burnaby, where we have Bo on the line. Bo, what's going on, man? What are your thoughts tonight? Oh, hey, guys. I uh, love your show. Uh, Thanks, man. Just to respond to that last guy, uh, seeing Calgary struggle brings me great joy. So it's been a <laughs> you know, continual uh, thing this year. It's great. Um, just want to talk about our defense. So I, I thought that Philip Pronick really had like a breakout game because you can get as many assists as you want, but once you get the goal, especially at home, I think it's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and then also, I thought that Friedman really struggled. Juleson kind of Juleson kind of kept his head above the water. So I'd say I don't know what you guys think about this, but I don't want to go all in. However, if we can get our top four defensemen, even if we have to trade our first round pick, throw in a you know a forward, I'd be all for it. Uh, not just for this year, but for going forward because we're going to be short. A top four defenseman until we get Willander or Hunter Bush Davis. Thank you guys. Great show. 
Hey, Big great time. stuff, man. Thanks for the phone call. That's Bo and Bernie be calling in. Listen, I'm not against making any sort of a trade. What I'm against is trading away significant assets for rentals. Mm-hmm. You know, like guys in their mid-30s or something that are here for one playoff run. But if you can add a legitimate player who's going to fit here long-term, I'm not afraid of making a bold trade. But it has to be somebody who's going to be here beyond the one season. And we know the, the Canucks as an organization are going to are aggressive in trying to make the team better. They're not afraid of making bold moves. The time to make those moves... If you listen to this show a lot last year, you know we kept repeating with the way the National Hockey League is with cap space. You got to have you got to be patient. The trades happen in the new year, like it takes some time so small ones happen, but meaningful things usually take a lot of time. So nothing imminent, but I do believe the Canucks are open to making significant additions if they can. It's just a matter of are they able to pull those things off? And if they're trading a first round pick, I do not think it's going to be for the likes of Chris Tanev or rental players. It would have to be for somebody that would be a long-term fit. And even that I'd say Bick Considering the scarcity of the types of players the Canucks would be willing to do that for, it's not something you would imagine is imminent or something that could probably happen this season. But just in theory of what are you willing to do to improve the team, I'm willing to do just about anything mm-hmm. as long as it's a player that you can keep beyond just one year. Again, not opposed, but timing uh, is important here. Because the other thing, too, is like there's a lot of teams kind of still in the mix. Like Buffalo's two points out of a playoff spot, and they are... Um, Four down from twelfth uh, right now in the Eastern Conference. Minnesota, uh, they're sitting here five points out of a playoff spot. Are they ready to start packing? Teams aren't really ready to pack it in just yet. So you're gonna have to wait till January, anyways. Also happens to coincide when cap space yes. starts to open up for a lot of teams. So you need teams to accrue cap space. Canucks included. Mm-hmm. All that sort of stuff plays a role here. And the other thing too, sad is. They got to figure something out with Myers and Beauvillier and Garland and, and to clear up some of their own money yeah. before you start being ambitious. Now, having said that, to Bo's point, if you want to go be aggressive, absolutely. And everyone should start crafting up their own wish lists and saying, like, outside of just the Zadorov names, we're like, hey, like the, the Ronick name came out of nowhere last year. Nowhere. And ex- expect the unexpected. So m- the homework assignment for everyone, we can talk about this on our shows and also on the post-game show moving forward, is... Just, just just, start crafting some names because if it was out of left field before, maybe it'll come out of left field again. No, absolutely. And I think that's something to keep in mind. And that's why I keep saying as much as the Tanev stuff's out there, and hey, would the team trade a Niels Hoaglander, for, for instance, for Chris Tanev? I can see them being willing to do that type of a deal, but I don't think they're willing to add picks and extra prospects and give up more assets for somebody who's a rental. You can't pay the premium for a rental. You only have so many bullets. And this exactly. is the point. Hey, our good friend Mike and Surrey makes. He's like, hey, they don't have assets. Okay, there's a couple, but you'd be you'd be burning a couple of bullets, but you, you can't do it for the rentals. Yes. If you're going to trade to, to Bo's point, the 2024 first-round pick or 2025, You've got to be getting someone that's A, in a certain role, either top 4D and like solid top 4D, not a projection. Or a solid top 6 forward. Or a solid top 6 forward. And you're getting at least, at least four to five service years. I can, I can even understand three because if he, let's say he's 24 and you have three and it's a guy you might want to extend. I can, I can make sense. You know what I mean? So I'm with you. We're, we're, we're kind of yeah. like, you know, it's semantics. We're arguing small little details, but I agree we're with you. Somebody, the same language. Yeah, we are. Uh, very Sorry, much we're saying so. the same thing, but speaking a different language. Yes. Uh, CP from Van says, I'm excited for us as much as the next fan and I'm, and I'm, 
I commend them from coming back down 3-1. But they were outplayed 5-on-5 five five against an inferior team. They didn't score anything 5-on-5. Five five. The middle of the line in particular was not good 5-on-5. Five five. They need to be better if they're going to turn this amazing start into something really meaningful. I don't disagree that they can be better 5-on-5. Five five. I don't think they were worse 5-on-5 five five against a so-called inferior team tonight. Is it because the Islanders got a goal 5-on-5? Five five? The lone goal coming 5-on-5? Five five? And it happened off the Quinn Hughes mistake. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. the goals came off of continued pressure or chance after chance. Um, I didn't get the sense that 5-on-5, five five, um, the Islanders outchanced the Canucks tonight. Like, I didn't feel that way to me. In the first, there was a couple of crossing passes that, like obviously the Demko save uh, off of Wallstrom. That one comes 5-on-5. Five five. Uh, by and large... I was okay with the amount of chances. It didn't feel I didn't like think they gave up a ton. No, I, and I didn't think they were. You know, certainly they weren't. You know, pressuring the other end endlessly or and putting the Islanders under siege or anything. But I, I don't know if I agree with the assessment that they were outplayed five on five tonight. That's not. That's not how I felt the game was going five on five. And if you go by the shot metrics, and this is through natural stat trick, and again, this stuff you always have to take with a bit, bit of grain of salt and everything. But they had the Canucks five on five as having fourteen high danger chances versus eight for the Islanders, and the expected goal tally today was sixty one sixty two percent in Vancouver's favor. Fourteen seems high. Again, I'm not yeah. saying it's it's. I'm just saying, based on these metrics, though, 14 for Canucks, 5 for the Islanders, and based on expected goals, 62% for Vancouver, 38% for um, the Islanders. People often cite these 5-on-5 stats when they talk about how Vancouver hasn't been good enough 5-on-5, and some of it has merit, but we always say you got to be careful with it. So I'd say if we're judging them 5-on-5 and, and people are mentioning getting outplayed, the shot metrics certainly don't paint that picture. And just going off what I was mentioning, watching the game, I didn't get the sense that they were under siege a lot in uh, this game. We also like using the puck tracking data. Um, now, this is aided by power plays, but Canucks had the puck 60% of the time tonight, which is an unreal number. 20 minutes in the offensive zone, 9 minutes in the defensive zone. Yeah. So the Islanders had the puck in the Canucks defensive, uh, defensive zone for 9 minutes. So they, they doubled their time in the offensive zone. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I, I, I didn't feel like... The, I, I, didn't, I didn't like the Canucks' first period, the first five minutes. I didn't like their PK initially. Some bad bad breaks, but I thought as the game went on, I didn't feel at any point they were the second-best team. Some moments, obviously, but I, you know, I thought even if they would have lost this game, my take wouldn't have been, oh, they were badly outplayed tonight. Mm-hmm. That's not kind of how I felt about how this game was going. Uh, a lot more reaction on text inbox. Uh, this one here says, Dakota Joshua is a beast the last two periods, pushed himself to keep hitting right to the very end. Good for him, D in Abbotsford. He's a guy who's been challenged, and he did make some good mo- So he had some good moments tonight, especially with his back pressure. There's a couple times he, mm-hmm. he came back and he broke a couple plays off, and he used his body really well to force his way through and also win some pucks along the boards. I thought that's a, that's a good take on Dakota Joshua the last two periods. His physical impact got increasingly better as the game went on. And I- I think even just down low, there were a couple of moments where you can see his size yeah. uh, play a role and just trying to get that puck towards the net or just spin and, and, and get it to someone else. Uh, very effective. And, and that's the version of Dakota Joshua you want to see because he is like a prototype player. A lot of teams would love to have a guy his size that has, have the hands that he does and a little bit of scoring touch. And when he plays like that down low, uh, he can be very, very difficult to handle. 
He really can be. Josh in Mission. Do you guys think this team is just beginning their maturity process? That turnover plus save by Demko, the turnover by Hughes, yet they still go on to win. Feels like this team has taken steps to becoming a winning group, Josh, in Mission. It certainly seems like, and, and we spoke to Ian about this, um, and we spoke to other guys about this, but what it kind of reminds me of is going back to the 0708 Canucks. They had just missed the playoffs, 0708. Uh, they had just missed the playoffs, 0809. And that's the year they beat the St. Louis Blues. In the postseason, they swept them. And that year, as the season went on, you kind of felt like, okay, they're they're starting to get some maturity. Once they got to the playoffs, it was like we had bigger business than just beating the, the Blues. They won, they had the sweep, and there was just like seriousness about them and, and how they went about their business. And you're like, okay, well, this team looks completely different and, and far more serious and, and professional in terms of how they're taking their day-to-day approach. And it seems like this team is taking that step right now in terms of them understanding what it is to be a winner and what they have to do day day in and day out. A long season still to go, but I don't disagree with Josh that those things are being exhibited right now. Uh, I cited this after 12 games when they had won the nine. I'll do this again after 16 games. The teams that have won their 12 of the first 16 games, there's 43 teams that have done it in NHL history. NHL history set. Mm-hmm. Only one has missed the playoffs. You don't want to be that team. It was the 2017-18 Blues. Yeah. That was it. Just the one. Those things usually mean good things are ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, and listen, a lot can happen, but you should feel pretty confident about it. Now... Sorry. I was going to say, should we play JT Miller? We are. We, let's okay. get to JT here because we are up, are up against a late game here tonight. Uh, so here is JT Miller after the 4-3 victory over the Islanders tonight. Yeah, it's, I think the, those little give and goes to the neutral zone because you get uh, some forwards playing D and it's uncomfortable. So, uh, you know, he, he probably sold the whole thing. You know, he was a heck of a shot too. What's it like tonight? In there? Did it feel any uh, different in the building? You know, a lot of emotion with Bo, especially in that first TV timeout. Yeah, for sure. I uh, went up to him and told him to stop crying like a baby. He's a, <laughs> he's a uh, no, he's he's. I said yesterday, he's an unreal guy. He's a good friend, a good teammate. And a really good hockey player, so uh, I'm really glad he got the uh, ovation that he did, and to see him emotional, I mean, choke you up. So, really happy for him, and then there, uh, he played well tonight too. You guys battled a lot in practice on faceoffs. Uh, get the win in overtime against him, leading up to that goal. Yeah. Was it just kind of deja vu facing him? Yeah, it's crazy. I hate going against him. It's it's funny. We we didn't win many on our offsides tonight. Uh, it would seem to be. I was winning on my left, and he was winning on his left. I, I probably ended up—I don't know what it ended up—probably right around 50, and almost took every single one, if not every one, against him. So it's—he's uh, a strong fella, and uh, you know I, we love going against each other like that. It's fun. Ask Quinn whether he was surprised at all how well the power plays worked, considering how unconventional it suddenly is this year. Are you surprised at all? Oh, I don't know about surprised. I mean, it seems like uh, against this diamond formation. Doing now, you got to have motion, and I know Rick really likes motion. Um, you know, he calls it road hockey. Sometimes you just kind of find some seams and play, and and I think sometimes when we do that, our skill takes over, and we just something seems to open up. So it's good to have a plan. I think we're learning, but I think we have to be able to go on the fly as well, and we're getting rewarded right now. Are you able to check on Kuzi? Yeah, he's good. He was smiling in here after the game, so but uh, he's he's alright. How about the game he played tonight? You know, drawing a couple of those penalties and seemed like he was buzzing in the offensive zone. Yeah, he played well. He was moving his feet. Um, you know, he drew some big penalties for us. You know, I feel awful hitting him in the face with the puck, but he's uh, 
you know, I'll be ready to roll. And uh, he was, uh, you know, he was going tonight. Did you know your shot on the power play had gone in? Seemed to be some hesitation after your shot. Uh, no, I actually didn't. I, I just heard the post and I couldn't see the puck at all until the guys reacted. So um, it's obviously nice to see it go. That is JT Miller, three-point performance from him. And uh, always great for a quote, or sometimes can be great for a quote, and was tonight. Said he walked over to Bo Horvath and says, quit crying like a baby. <laughs> crying like a baby. And also, hey, give JT some credit because he was the one standing in front of that shot. He was, uh, yeah. From Philip Hronick. 108 miles an hour. Didn't Allegedly. flinch. Didn't flinch at all. Allegedly. Uh, it looked like it. All right. Well, you, you don't even have time to flinch. You wouldn't even know what's no, coming. No, you wouldn't. All right. Cres- you just stand there with a stupid look on your face. You're like, oh, it's in. Cres uh, from Coca-Cola. Let's end uh, with a joke. So what's the best, best pronunciation? The coach saying Bol- uh, Bolivier, <laughs> Don Cherry saying Biesica, uh, Reach saying to bring cat, or some Toronto guy saying Kachuk. I think I'm partial to uh, Biesca. Biesca. I do. I think the Kachuk is pretty good. Yeah. too, though, I gotta say. I, I think that's a close second. Yeah, that's a pretty close one. All right, uh, fantastic stuff. Honestly, uh, you know, late game here tonight. Went a, a couple extra oh, minutes. Hang on. It's his coach saying it wrong. <laughs> that's, that's actually exceptionally it's, funny. It is. Funny. It's one thing for people out of Bolivia to get it wrong. The coach would be like, "Hey, Bolivia, Bolivia, always calls him Bolivia." It's great. Uh, that is fantastic stuff as always. All right. Thanks for, for all the comments coming in and everybody listening on the postgame show here tonight. We're back at it again tomorrow as the Canucks try to keep it going in Calgary against the Flames. The top team in the Western Conference trying to take a bigger lead against the opponents in the Pacific Division. They meet one tomorrow in Calgary. Thanks again for all your responses and thoughts and we'll be back chatting with you again tomorrow special thanks to fast eddie gregory back at the radio station the can bear producing the show here for big nazar i'm satyar shaw and this has been the canuck center post game show on the home of your canucks sportsnet 650 i'll tell you that for free